if you had spoken to someone in advance and thought about, well, what is, assets do I have that will be exposed in a bankruptcy versus what are protected from creditors? And I should save for, for the rest of my life, right? For my retirement, that's what they're for. Liquidating retirement assets is an, an example of a mistake that I think people make. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. Helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans. To find out more, visit dramy.life. We are here today on the Breaking Money Silence podcast, and we are talking about awkward conversations. Today, we are going to be unpacking declaring bankruptcy, which certainly can be full of mixed emotions and a stigma in our society. And we have a wonderful guest here to help us unpack it. Her name is Christine Divine Law Offices, and she has more than 27 years of legal experience. She established her firm after many years working for other firms in 2021 with the goal of helping people and businesses find practical solutions to challenging financial problems. Now, if that doesn't sound like she's right up my alley, uh, Christine has significant experience representing both debtors and creditors in all aspects of bankruptcy and pre-bankruptcy workouts. And so I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today, Christine. Uh, welcome. Thank you, Kathleen. It's great to be here. Yes. I have never had a conversation on the podcast about bankruptcy. And when I found out your specialty, and certainly as a business owner who's just gone through the pandemic, I could appreciate uh, the resource you might be for some of my listeners. So, so I want to start with the pandemic. How do you think the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted either personal bankruptcies or small business bankruptcies? Like, what have you seen as a result of this unprecedented situation in our economy? Well, my answer might surprise you, Kathleen. So let me take you back to uh, early 2020 when it became apparent that the economy was going to completely shut down. Like many others, uh, you know, I got together with other professionals in my area and we expected that there would be an absolute wave of bankruptcies, both uh, personal and business, as a result of such a shock to the economy, such a, such a big shock and immediate. We were all surprised to find, with the passage of time, that that did not happen. Bankruptcies, both for individuals and bankruptcies, for the past two years have decreased. They've been on a steady decline, which is a good thing. I think uh, I can talk a little bit about the likely reasons for that. Sure, because so, that's surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, the government did act and did provide support and provided you know, support both to businesses and to individuals. And it was big. 
I mean, it was uh, uh, the PPP funds were uh, accessible. They were immediately accessible and um, they were directed to businesses with a priority of keeping employees and owners paid. Right. So individuals. So they got to, the businesses kept their doors open with the funds and individuals were were paid, even if they couldn't work or even if they couldn't work in the same way. Um, and that worked. It worked, um, you know, in the short term and it's continued to provide some, um, you know, cushion in the economy as things have been a little bit bumpy recently. So any other insights into what the future might look like, you know, now that, well, we still have COVID-19, but the pandemic and the, the economy has opened back up? Yeah, I, the thing that I would say is I've been through a few cycles at this point. And what we see from a bankruptcy perspective is increased bankruptcy filings tend to lag behind a contraction in the economy. So what I mean by that is we've, we've got some, I, I, I'd call them headwinds right now with inflation, supply chain issues, you know, some, some stress on the economy. And what I would expect that in the future... Even as maybe we kind of start going back on the on the upswing again, that's when you start to see an increase in bankruptcy filings. It's we just kind of lag behind the economy. Hmm, that makes sense. Now, I also know that there's a stigma, at least with the clients that I've worked with, really a stigma when it comes to, say, a small business owner or an individual declaring bankruptcy. Why do you think our society judges people who declare bankruptcy so harshly? And how do you think it impacts people, you know, coming to access your services? Well, I'll start with the, I guess, the business first. Um, and I think that when people take the risk of starting their own business and owning their own business, they, they put everything into it. And it becomes wrapped up in their identity and their vision of themselves as, you know, kind of what they what they do in their family and what they produce for our economy. And it's really, really hard to get past the fact that, you know, it, for whatever reason, and often the reasons are, are simply external, whatever the reason the business isn't working, isn't going to work, is failing or needs significant restructuring. And I think that, you know, the individuals who, you know, to their credit, take the risk uh, that goes along with owning a business and starting a business, you know, have a hard time of, of changing course or letting go. Yeah, it's interesting. I know a very successful financial advisor who declared bankruptcy years ago, and it was a big scuttlebutt in the field, you know, like this big secret that he knew, you know, he knew at some point everybody knew. So finally he just came clean. And it, it does really speak to the fact that there is this judgment. I'm hoping this judgment goes away, but there is this judgment even by the financial professionals of, Ooh, you messed up financially where I talk a lot on the podcast and in the training and coaching I do is we all mess up financially. It depends, you know, when we reach out for help and when we ask for support. And then, like you said, a lot of external, um, factors can come into play that can be really out of our control. So, so just so listeners understand, what is the purpose of declaring bankruptcy? Like if I'm an individual or a small business owner, which I am both, uh, what would be the purpose in declaring bankruptcy? So, you know, at its base level, if an individual is going to file bankruptcy, and we can talk a little bit about the types of bankruptcy available both to individuals and businesses, but if you're going to file a bankruptcy, your goal is to get what we call a discharge. That's like a magic word in bankruptcy. And it, it, it serves as both a verb and a noun. 
you want to actually discharge your debt, to shed it, to be done with it, to have it you know, removed from your life. Um, so you want to discharge that debt. And then what you also want is to receive what, the, what we would call from the bankruptcy court an actual discharge. That's the court order. That's what you want the bankruptcy judge to provide you with, a court order that says that these you know, 10 credit cards that you've been carrying and can't get out from under for a long period of time, they are there. You are discharged from that debt. So, as an individual, there are two ways that you get that discharge. Typically, there are always exceptions, but typically, um, one is through a liquidation process. That's a Chapter Seven. You may have heard bankruptcy professionals yes. talk about chapters. Yeah. Chapter Seven liquidation. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so it sounds scary. A liquidation, it really isn't. Um, it is, you know, compiling your assets, compiling your liabilities. Um, and having a, a third party, a trustee, review those assets and liabilities and come to the conclusion, uh, which is typically the case for individuals that file Chapter 7, come to the conclusion that you know the assets that you have are simply what you're entitled to keep with you, a house with a homestead, a vehicle up to a certain value, a certain amount of cash, your clothing, your furniture. You're entitled to keep those even though you file a liquidation. And beyond that, you know, you don't have sufficient assets to satisfy your liabilities. These credit card debts, we'll call them for now. Um, and therefore, you, you're entitled to your discharge. It's a fairly straightforward process. There are nuances to every individual case that, of course, people should talk to a professional about. But that's how it usually works, and that's how it should work. How about Chapter 11, which we hear about a lot as well? Yeah, so Chapter 11 is typically for businesses. Let me stick with consumers for a minute. So an individual uh, will more often file what's called a Chapter 13. So I skipped up two numbers. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it, a Chapter 13 is basically a payment plan for individuals. And you might, you know, I, I talked about the person that had uh, a limited amount of assets that they'd be able to keep with them in a Chapter 7. Well, if you have a few too many assets, and that's not a bad thing, maybe you have equity in, a significant amount of equity in your house, or you have some stock, and you say, well, I can, I can continue to earn, and I can pay some of my debt back, but I just can't get out of this hole that I'm in. Then a, then a payment plan over time where you commit to pay a certain percentage toward your old debt can happen through a Chapter 13. And then you get that magic discharge at the end of the payment period, which is usually between three and five years. Great. Now, Chapter 11 is uh, similar, but for businesses? That's right. So, so an individual can file a Chapter 11, but more often, they're better suited for a 13. And so what you see are businesses filing Chapter 11. And it probably popped into your mind, Kathleen, because when we see all these you know, big companies that file bankruptcy, they're, they're typically filing a Chapter 11. Okay. That is in the context of a business, a, a full restructuring. It's very flexible. It you know, typically involves either a full change of ownership in the company or a partial change of ownership in the company if it's a small business. Um, and you, know, you can accomplish all sorts of things like, for example, a sale. Um, if you want to sell the assets to a new entity, the cash comes into the old business, it's used to pay creditors, and the assets cleanly move to a new business where it can be productive again. 
Got it. So, so let's look at the small business owners in the personal bankruptcies, the, the smaller, smaller situations, so to speak. I know you work with a variety of different clients, but in those situations, uh, and that's where I think a lot of our listeners might live or might work with clients in this space, what are the top contributors? Like we talked about external contributors, but what does typically contribute to someone getting to a point where they're so can't catch up with their debt that they have to declare bankruptcy? So certainly for individuals, there are some consistent contributing factors. One thing we see often is that bankruptcy and divorce go hand in hand. You know, in in a divorce, people are obviously forced to, you know, now fund two separate households, two separate lives. And, and the resources don't double to go along with that. So, so divorce is often a contributor. Another is medical expenses. You know, the, certainly, ideally, we all have our necessary medical expenses covered, but I think we can all anecdotally think of situations where someone uh, had to, was forced to take an ambulance ride out of their network, whatever that is. And those costs are, you know, they're enormous. Um, and if someone is living, you know, either paycheck to paycheck or, you know, paycheck to paycheck plus a little, that's often not enough to handle an unexpected medical expense or an unbudgeted for medical expense, which, as you can imagine, is out of your control. Absolutely. Now, with divorce, are there any gender splits? Like, do you see more women declaring bankruptcy than men? Uh, just curious about that. I don't have any data on that. I mean, anecdotally, you know, my my default assumption is the same as yours. But I, I think what it's going to be is the spouse, whoever that is, that is, you know, n- not primarily responsible for generating the income. So if there's a disparity in income between partners, often when you separate the one that, you know, is the lesser of the earners isn't going to have the cushion, maybe doesn't have the retirement resources, and is, is the more likely one to file bankruptcy. Right, right. And certainly with the medical stuff, I mean, when we talk about COVID, there were people who ended up in the hospital for long periods of time with big medical debt. Uh, And all you have to do is have had surgery once in your life, and you could see how quickly it could get out of control in terms of uh, the cost of taking care of yourself. So now that we've laid the foundation for everybody, and you've done such a beautiful job doing that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to really delve into, okay, if you're in this situation and you feel like you need to declare bankruptcy, kind of what advice do you have for people and and how can they make this process, even though it's uncomfortable and maybe awkward, a little smoother. So we'll be right back with Christine Devine from Divine Law Office talking about declaring bankruptcy. Hi, this is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I just wanted to tell you about a new exciting program. It's for business owners. Because many business owners, we spend so much time delivering our products and services, but we fail to set up a system to actually make sure we get paid every month. You deserve to get paid every month. If you broke money silence and you asked for your fee, then it's time to figure out how to put financial policies and procedures in place in your business so you can continue to earn what you are worth. So I have developed a course called It's Time to Get Paid. It takes you through how to contract, how to set up a payment policy, and ultimately how to collect accounts that are past due. So. 
I think you should check it out. It's only $27. It's a great investment for your firm. And if you are new to business or struggling in getting paid what you are worth, then it is time to check out It's Time to Get Paid. Go to courses.breakingmoneysilence.com and check out the details. We are here on the Breaking Money Silence podcast. I'm Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and we are talking with Christine Devine about declaring bankruptcy. And that certainly is an awkward conversation. Uh, Before the break, we were talking a little bit about the key contributors and how the pandemic has impacted uh, bankruptcy rates and certainly got a little primer, which was very helpful for me and hopefully helpful for all of you about the different types of bankruptcy that you can declare. So let me switch gears a little bit, Christine. I really wanna know, you know, you've seen a lot of this in action. What do you think the biggest mistakes are that either business owners or individuals make when they're trying to avoid letting people know or even admitting to themselves that it might be time to consider bankruptcy? So we've already talked a little bit about the stigma. Um, And I I think in part because of that stigma that people tend to get help too late. They struggle alone, again, because of the stigma. They don't want to tell the people closest to them or or most in in a position to help them either financially or with advice. And so in struggling alone, they can make things a little bit worse. Um, Let me give you an example. Often I talk to individuals who come to me after they've already made some changes in their, you know, what was a a portfolio of assets. Liquidating retirement assets is a consistent theme that's really unfortunate for, for individuals. It comes from a place of wanting to use your assets to pay your debts. You intended to. This is not something that you intended, a situation you intended to be in. Uh, but qualified IRAs and 401ks are exempt from bankruptcy. They're part of those protected assets that you get to take, take right with you through a Chapter 7. And so if you had spoken to someone in advance and thought about, well, what is, assets do I have that will be exposed in a bankruptcy versus what are protected from creditors, and I should save for, for the rest of my life, right? For my retirement, that's what they're for. Liquidating retirement assets is an, an example of a mistake that I think people make. Oh, I just cringe. I just have to jump in here real quick. I just, given my financial background and my work with financial planners, the idea, and I know a lot of people do this, I always think, oh, just leave that alone because you can't get a loan for retirement. You know, you can get a loan for other things, but go on. In addition to kind of tapping into retirement, what are the other mistakes that people make? Well, I would say on the business side, you know, again, it it comes from not wanting to, you know, face the issue, talk about it, trying to dig yourself out of your own hole. But I think on the business side, people don't bring in professionals uh, that that could really help. Right. Don't delegate and get the advice that they need. Mistakes we see on the business side, which really they're mistakes that flow through to the individual that that owns the company or or has a a, a role in management, right? The the owner who's running the company. Shorting taxing authorities is one problem. You file your returns, but you don't pay the tax. That is a really expensive loan, right? Hopefully, you could get better loan terms than you can from the the government, which has all the collection tools that it needs. Uh, shorting any sort of trust fund taxes, so that's sales tax or um, 
contributions for employees, those that liability flows right through to the individual that's running the company and um, is not going to be dischargeable in bankruptcy. Shorting employees themselves, right? Getting your employees to maybe, you know, take take lower pay, you know, hold off on making pay. We're all in this together. Um, when that goes badly, uh, those individuals who, you know, have not been paid for work that they provided to a company, they've got rights at state law. They often have, there's often criminal liability. So, so those are some mistakes that I'm sorry to say, but we do see it. Well, and what's interesting to me, and I want to draw this out from your response, is a lot of this is well-intended. A lot of this is, I'm going to try to do it alone. I'm going to make good on what I said I was going to do or the money I was going to pay back. And that it's just, for many people, I know maybe not all people, but very misdirected. I've certainly known people to avoid tax, take money out of their retirement. I even can think of people who build companies and um, delay paying their employees. And I always kind of cringe of like, we need to just practice good business practice from the get-go. But again, I think that would help us reduce the money shame if we could really look at people and go, wow, they were trying to do the right thing. They may not have had the financial literacy or they may have been overwhelmed with the situation and didn't have the, I think, advantage of having someone like you or a consultant be able to look in a less emotional way and say, have you thought of this? And so that really brings me kind of to my next question around you know, what advice do you have for people who are out there who are either struggling and maybe can avoid bankruptcy, or maybe they're listening in today and going, oh, no, that's me? Yeah, I think for for anyone, you know, start talking about it. I mean, this is right up your alley, Kathleen. Um, for individuals, this is really personal. Find someone you trust, whether it's a friend or a family member. But once you kind of open up to someone that can give you a fresh look, an outside perspective, um, I think some of your options will become, uh, they'll seem more realistic. Also, if there's an attorney that you've used for anything, you know, that attorney is a trusted professional in some way. So if you had a divorce lawyer or a real estate lawyer when you sold your condo, bought your condo. I would reach out to those individuals and say, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with some financial issues. Is there someone you recommend? And all I just mentioned, real estate and, and divorce lawyers, because I guarantee that all of those know a bankruptcy lawyer that they send people who ask questions like that to someone they trust. And that's a good place to start. So the bottom line is, even though your gut or your emotions might say, don't speak up, it's to break that money silence. And, and I like what you're saying, like find someone who's trusted and it, it, it doesn't matter who that person is. I think the only caveat I might add, and I'd love your feedback on this, is try to find somebody who's not so emotionally involved in the situation with you and may be able, and that's where I think an attorney and getting a referral to attorney can really come in because it's getting somebody that can look at it in a very neutral way. But initially, I think just talking about it, often in our heads, we get so caught up in what it's going to look like and how people are going to judge us. And then what we find when we break money silence, we go, huh, that wasn't as bad as I thought. So um, I love those tips. Anything else you'd like to kind of add to that? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. I think for individuals, it is a two-step process. It's, you know, getting comfortable saying what you need to say and then finding the resources. And, and in this case, it's someone with some expertise to help you through it. 
I would add one thing in the business context, which is talk to your accountant. Accountants often uh, understand where things are going before business owners do. And again, you know, like the lawyers that I mentioned previously, accountants are going to have a contact or two in the bankruptcy or restructuring world that they trust and that they can send a business to, to really just get a, something like a gut check on where they are. Yes. And I agree. If you have a financial planner, that's another person who can kind of give you a sense and make a referral. So there's a lot of places that you can go. And and certainly what you're highlighting and, and what I love about how you approach this is there's that technical, practical, rational part of it, and there's the emotional part of it. And so it's addressing both of those in some ways. And it may be ultimately after going through this process or during this process, you do some coaching. Um, I do have a lofty goal question. I like to really uh, uh, think about how we can break money silence for good. And so my, my next question as we kind of wind down is, do you have any thoughts about how we can kind of end the money shame around declaring bankruptcy? Like how we can start to get a new message out there around this often useful and necessary legal tool? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because it, everyone's, uh, this is very personal, right, to, to every person. You, you bring with you what you've been taught in life and what your belief system is. But I try to frame it really as a business issue, not a moral issue. It, with individuals, very often, we're really talking about credit card debt that has spiraled and people can't get back on their feet from where they are because once you're at a certain point in that spiral, you're really just paying interest. You're not getting out from under, you're not moving forward. Um, so that's not a, you know, it's not a, a moral judgment. It's just a situation that you find yourself in that you're gonna be in a better place as a citizen, as a person, as a family member, when you put it behind, when you get out of the hole. Um, so. Yes. And I'm a true believer, Christine, that you can change your money story at any time. So yeah. whatever thoughts and beliefs kind of led you to make the decisions you made, you don't have to live with them the rest of your life. And in some ways, this might actually be an opportunity to do something very different around money or around business or around how you're going to think and feel about your finances. So it has been so enjoyable to talk about this awkward money conversation with you and, and learn a little bit more about declaring bankruptcy. Um, what is one piece of advice you'd like to leave our listeners with today? So, I, you know, this is really right up your alley, really the theme of your podcast, which is, you know, break the silence. Um, do it early. Have conversations with your kids about money and finances. I'm heartened to see that many school systems now have programs on financial literacy. Um, you know, we live in a world where we're all taught to be very, very quiet and, you know, it's not discreet to talk about money, but you need to talk about it. You need to understand it and you need to think it through. Um, and you can't do that if you're really silent on it. Yes, I have to agree with that. So tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and your services and your work. Sure. Uh, for me personally, I have a website. It's christine at cdivinelaw.com. It has my contact information. I think you're going to publish it as well, Kathleen. Yes. yes. Uh, and I'm on LinkedIn. Excellent. Well, I have really enjoyed having this conversation. And so thank you very much for breaking money silence with me today. Thanks for having me. This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. 
helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans. To find out more, visit dramy.life. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.